0: hey everyone and welcome to stories about kevin the podcast where everyone who is listening knows at least someone that has spent so much time jacking off in a porter shitter that now they can't come unless their wife farts in their face anyways the other day i put out a post on reddit asking for some of the best stories that people out there can come up with from people that they served in the military with and oh my there were some doozies some were some absolute corkers and I thought today we're gonna to go through a couple of them. Now for the actual safety and security of these people, names have been changed. Everyone on this podcast who is an idiot is going to be called Kevin. Now these are the worst co-workers you have ever worked with. These are the dumbest people you have ever met. And these are the strangest things that they have ever done. So strap in. Now this story comes to us from a former Australian Army truck driver in Darwin. Um, so let's let's get straight into it. So story from my army days. We were in a convoy from Darwin to Rockhampton. Now for those of you that don't know, Darwin to Rockhampton is a multi-day drive. We are in a very big country. It is around three thousand kilometres. Uh, let's just have a double check. Um, that's uh. Why is it that? Kilometres. Um, that's around 1800 miles. So, that sort of gives you some perspective if you're not an uh, Australian listener. Now, I've done this drive myself. Um, it's a lot of nothing. Lots of trees and dirt and rocks and nothing really to look at. Um, anyways, on to the story. Now, one of the turns is at Three Ways Roadhouse. Which is named because it's at the intersection where you literally have three options. Turn left to go to Queensland, turn south to go to South Australia, or turn around to go back to Darwin. You have three ways at the Three Ways Roadhouse. I'm not understating that this is all he had to do from our previous stop was drive 400km and turn left. There was an entire one singular turn on this day's drive. Now, Kevin ends up getting a flat tyre in his truck. So he does what any same person would do. Pulls over and changes the tyre. This took him approximately 45 minutes. And by the time he was done, the convoy had left his site. Now the rest of us get to Three Ways Roadhouse. We fill up with fuel and take the left turn to head into Mount Isa. Kevin, on the other hand, a bit behind us, he misses the turn and just keeps going. Because of this, we pull into the Mount Isa. And after two hours, we're wondering where the fuck Kevin is. When we finally get Kevin on the phone and ask him where he is, he happily informs us the city he just reached is Alice Springs. That's, uh, yep, okay. Therefore, the end result was, since we all had to wait in Mount Isa for another day and a half for Kevin to arrive, which eventually put us two days behind schedule. I have many more stories about this Kevin, however this has to be one of my most outstanding ones. Australia is a very big country, but not when you take a wrong turn, because the turns are really fucking obvious. There's generally only one or two highways that meet in the middle of nowhere. Now I have some serious questions about uh, how that convoy was actually being run. Where was the convoy commander and what were they actually doing? Because when I was in the military, the standard procedure was that if someone dropped behind, when you got to the next stop, you'd at least wait for them. If not, it would be a case of when you notice someone's fallen behind, you all pull up at the next safe place to pull the convoy into. Which, I mean... Out there, there's not many good spots, depending on what time of year this occurred. But still, you've got to you've got to understand that you don't just leave someone just off in the middle of nowhere. Like if I was I was the uh, the sergeant mate like the, the company sergeant major or squadron sergeant major, I would be kicking that NCO's ass or kicking that convoy commander's ass. Like why you would leave a, a soldier to just freewheel of his own accord? Uh, when he was supposed to be in a convoy shows horrible convoy discipline and it really makes you wonder like what the uh, what the competency of those in charge of that road move actually were Uh, anyways maybe we should get on to the next story okay so this next story is titled you ordered how many camp chairs? Uh, so for those of you that aren't familiar with the military we order crap using a NATO stock number For example 661234567, which is a tube assembly, but I'm going to use it for the story because it's easier to type and I can't be asked to find the actual NSN. Fair. Anyways, in Australia, we use a system called Millis. It's archaic crap, but it works and is reasonably reliable most of the time. Anyways, picture Darwin. Like Florida, but with more mosquitoes. We have a private seating... uh, We have Private A. Sitting in a warehouse processing orders. One of the subunits needed some camp chairs. These are small tripod legged portable camp chairs and they weigh about one kilogram or two pounds. And they're great to take out bush. One of the few luxuries. So, in the interest of speed, we just gone electronic in our ordering. Digital signatures. I think we were a trial unit of a new system. So, anyways, Private A, I'm going, going to call him Kevin. So, anyways, Kevin copies the NSN off the order paste it into millis, copies the quantity, paste it into millis, hits go, hits confirm, and goes on with his duck. However, he did not copy the quantity off the order, so his clipboard still had the NSN in it. So he ordered 661,234,567 camp chairs. At this point, very few people had done something this retarded, and most of the Q staff were not in brigade level warehousing. You see, if you're in a combat unit like 5RAR, you order 661 million camp chairs, the SISB at brigade level is first asked to fill that order. Normally at this point, someone will see it and say, what the fuck, cancel that, and it will be done. However, Kevin was in the SISB. So therefore, as soon as Miller saw that we we did not have 661 million chairs in stock, it bumped it straight to the National Storage and Distribution Centre in Sydney. Anyway. They are a civilianised workforce and the contractor is not paid to give a shit and because these were a low value item, no further approval was needed to get well no further approval was needed past a private at brigade level warehouse. So ten thousand camp chairs in stock, the stock for the entire Australian Defence Force in Sydney, is boxed up, loaded onto trucks and sent to Darwin, with the other six hundred and sixty one million two hundred and twenty four thousand five hundred and sixty seven chairs placed on back order. Fast forward to about two weeks later, we have a B-double roll up to the front gate of base. The battalion duty driver heads down and signs them in. He gets about halfway back, we get another phone call, and there's another B-double waiting. Drops the first guy off, goes back to get the second guy, and lo and behold, there's actually three more waiting for him. In the end, there was eight fucking trailers of camp chairs, individually packaged and branded new in boxes. The RQMS catches wind of this and comes over asking why there is four civilian B-doubles in his compound. He grabs a picking slip off one of the boxes, reads it, and in a mighty roar to shake the gods off Olympus, summons Kevin to him. Now, this RQMS was an ex-tanky, and he took no shit. It was his way, or you'd be literally scrubbing the white gutters around the battalion with a toothbrush. After a one-sided conversation and a few phone calls, the army of forklifts descended upon the convoy of trucks, Eventually, they were unloaded and our warehouse was chocked to the fucking brim with camp chairs. Phone calls went out across the brigade to the Air Force, to the Navy, to the Reserve Depots, to the Kitty Cadets, everyone in the Northern Territory. I think even NT Police and Border Protection got an offer. Eventually, we offloaded about 3,000 camp chairs. In the end, we stocked basically everyone in Darwin with camp chairs and got the Army Semis to run the rest back to Sydney with our hat in our hands to say sorry. Thankfully, we're sending trucks that way, so it wasn't a huge inconvenience. Kevin got a good chunk of retraining and wasn't allowed to process orders unsupervised for about 12 months. Last I'd heard, he'd been discharged for being a member of a Facebook group of a bikey gang. His defense? Bikes are nice. I like bikes. This this guy sounds... He literally said that to the CO in his hearing for affiliation with a criminal organization. CO did not take it. The system has now been changed so that if you order a substantial quantity, or an unusual quantity of an item, it will trigger a question to the hires in your unit, for review. I mean 600 million of anything is a lot, but if it's 600 million individual staples in packs of a thousand, ordered by each, be 600,000 boxes, maybe 10,000 boxes of pallets, 60 pallets. Probably what a brigade would go through in a, in a year, but it would be an unusual order. Things like engines on the APC. for an APC, on the other hand. Ordering more than one at a time would be unusual on a single order. This has to be one of the funniest fuck-ups I've ever seen with NSNs. I have another one. I'll post it later. So, that, uh, That's... That's different. 600 million camp chairs. That's a... I think I remember when that happened, because I was in Darwin about that time, so... I'm pretty sure I remember everyone got camp chairs. I think I came back from Bush and everyone was uh, talking about the free camp chairs they got. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. Okay, on to the next one. So anyways, I was just having a dig through the ones that I actually got sent and this one was the one that stood out to me because uh, cause in this one, the person that wrote uh, wrote in was the one that had the, uh, they, they are the Kevin in this story. Um, so this, this story they've told me is about that time I ordered common sense. Uh, anyone that's worked in logistics for a few years would know there are easter egg NSNs in the system. they call long waits, striped paints, hooks, etc. One day while fucking around, I found logic, common, soldier, single issue. Description. Common logic is used to help a soldier decide what to do based on experience. So being a cheeky cunt I was... I decided to order one unit of common sense. I pass this to my Corporal, he has a chuckle, Passes it up to our Sergeant, she has a mighty chuckle, and he's like, eh, fuck it, why not? Anyways, it goes to our QE, who just confirms it's a valid NSN, stocked item, supply is 999,999 units. Cool! It goes to the warehouse. I get a phone call. It's from the Regimental Quarter Sergeant Major. I vigorously soil my pants. I go to see him. He has my equipment record on his desk. Kevin, I've seen your request for Logic Common, and I see you have not been issued a unit of this before. Is this correct? Not sure exactly where this was going. I replied to him that, yes, sir, it is. He tells me no worries. He starts writing. He then says, sign here. You have now been issued Common Logic. If you don't use it, I will have you charged. I believe people in other countries call this an NJP. They have put in. I signed for it. Thank you, Kevin. Drop this back to your company queue on the way back. Since that day, anytime anyone has looked into my queue record, they get a chuckle. I'm glad it continues to give people joy to this day. Well, I mean, that's that's not really dumb. Like, I mean, you, you're basically drawing attention to yourself, but... I mean, that's a... It, there, there, there are worse ways to draw attention to yourself. So, like, a couple more of these stories I'm going to get to. Um, we'll, we'll go over them, and you'll see that there is worse ways to, uh, to, to draw attention to yourself. Okay, on this one, they have titled it... They ordered a fucking what? So, for reference, a SISB, or Combat Service Support Battalion, is a brigade-level asset... We have a transport squadron, a workshop company, two levels of warehousing, a recovery platoon, and more. It is a big organization. Uh, today we'll tell the story of Craftsman Kevin. It's actually Craftsman B in this story, but I'm gonna call him Craftsman Kevin. This is stories about Kevin. Um, Kevin was a qualified mechanic, working on trucks that he didn't have the tools for. So on the advice of his sergeant, he decided to order a toolkit for a truck so he didn't have to borrow. Kevin goes to what we call the block scale, which is a list of all equipment assigned to that vehicle or truck. Looks up the stock number for the toolbox, chucks in his uh, AB189, which for those of you are not in the Australian military, that is a request, a store's request, and he goes back to work. A few weeks pass and we get a call at the transport squadron. Hi, we'd like to speak to Kevin. The truck he's ordered has arrived. Uh, Kevin is in the workshop. What do you mean? He's not in the squadron? Why has he ordered a new truck? Well, we don't know. Here's his mobile number. Anyway, you see, the Mac had an NSN of 661234567 and the Toolkit had an NSN of 661234568. So at some point, he hit the wrong button and instead of ordering just a toolbox, he ordered an entire truck. Again, wasn't questioned because we were an online brigade-level asset that needs a lot of trucks. So if we were asked for operational gear, it was assumed our operational requirements meant we needed said gear and it just arrived. Anyway, that truck did get sent to the transport squadron to replace one with a very tired motor. We sent back the tired one for a rebuild. So it wasn't a total fuck-up. I still don't know if he ever got his toolbox. So I'm, I'm starting to see a pattern here that uh, that people just can't be trusted to type numbers into a fucking spreadsheet. Like, I mean... Like, it's... I'm glad that I was a truckie and never really had to uh, had to deal with this level of uh, stuff. But, like, how did no one at any point... Like, because from, from memory, he would have put in his request and it would have been... Um, like, he would have put in the, the stock number and then he would have put in a description of what he wanted... It would have been something like, uh, like, uh, you know, box, tools, mechanic, Mac R, or something like that. You know, it, would, it wouldn't have been something that, uh, that, like, to just have a truck rock up seems, seems like someone else along the line dropped the bundle there, or this story could potentially be just an utter furf. Um, so, anyways, let's get on to the, uh, the last three stories from today. And these are all about the same Kevin. Apparently, this Kevin, like I I read through these before I started recording and Oh, Jesus. Um, Okay. This one's called Cover Your Eyes. So picture this. Training area, dead of night. Absolutely pissing down rain. Not quite Darwin, Florida, Hong Kong rain, but good enough. Not the sort of Forrest Gump rain where you can talk for hours about the rain. So I have Kevin in the driver's seat of a Unimog, so he's on the right. We're driving down a steep hill, we have troops in the back. Muddy, shit, you know the drill. Did I mention that Kevin was only six months out of his trade training and hadn't driven a Unimog in about that long? This guy was, I swear, 23 beers short of a carton. So, he was six months out of his training, was an idiot, and here we are. So me, the senior dig, knowing full well Kevin was a shit show in daylight on bitumen, however I was fully told to make him drive to get experience. So down this hill we go, me telling him he's all good, he's doing well, doing fine, keep her in first gear, let the truck idle, all will be good. We hit a bump. We go sideways. He stomps the brakes. We lock up. We slide more. He grabs at anything. He somehow rips the truck into neutral. We're now freewheeling down this hill, in the rain, at night, out of control. Kevin screams and puts his hands over his eyes. At this point I realise I really am a passenger. Still to this day I don't know how I managed to get my seatbelt undone, somehow get myself across the cabin of the truck and get myself onto his lap to take control with him screaming the whole time. I have no idea how I managed to make the truck take a gear, or even what gear I took. But I got to the bottom of the hill, and we were still on our wheels. At the bottom, I stopped and I was pissed. The guys in the back were yelling, they were rattled, bruised, and a bit bloody. I climbed off Kevin's lap, fully ready to just lose it, and I think that was one of the few times my blood pressure has been that high. He was crying. In then we had a chat, checked the boys in the back, a few bumps and bruises, broken finger and a split lip. Couldn't call it that bad. I drove back with Kevin in the back to help give him a better understanding of how rough it is with a half-decent driver. This caused him to become a much better driver after that because he now knew what it felt like. So, I mean, at least it wasn't an entire failure. Um, so, but these, these, it seems this guy didn't actually learn his lesson because I have two more stories here for this same Kevin, apparently. Um, You are where? As you liked my story about Kevin covering his eyes to help the situation, I thought I might share this one from when Kevin got posted. Keeping in mind, his job is a truckie. He got posted from Sydney to Darwin. For those that don't know, yeah, okay, it's big country, okay, Google Maps, yep, yep. Like, I swear some people didn't realise I posted this on the Australian military subreddit, so, like, I... I knew where I was going to get the stories from. Aussies talking to Aussies. Um, so, as a joke and a, a bit of an Australian joke, you tell someone the long way is the short way and the short way is the long way. Perspective Sydney to Darwin via Longreach and my eyes, is- I think he means Mount Isa, and my eyes are, is 3,934 kilometres. We told Kevin to go through Adelaide. That makes the trip 4,408 kilometers. Now the differences here are, uh, he's put in miles, 2,458 miles being the short way, 2,755 miles being the long way. So it's a decent detour, but not huge. Unless you count how much more desert you need to drive through and stuff. Now this is 2014, we have GPS, we have phones, it's not hard to look at a map. Not Kevin. We all fuck off for Christmas. I spend it drinking beer, sitting by the pool, soaking up sun, So, eat a dick. Summer is fun. Get back to work about a week earlier than the rest, as we had work with people. Uh, Sorry. As we had to do some work with under 18 people, we had to do the Don't Touch Children training. Pretty standard. The training talks to you like a child. For years, I had to do that training quarterly. Our second week rolls around. We get a call from Kevin's new unit. Kevin isn't there. They have no contact details for Kevin. Kevin hasn't contacted them. Have we seen or heard from Kevin? Is Kevin actually on his way? Which apparently is not far-fetched. It happens with surprising regularity that privates don't know they get posted. And so they just don't go because no one tells them they need to. Not Kevin, Kevin knew. The CM basically sprinted down with the posting order to celebrate when it came in. Anyway, we all try ringing him. No response. We send him Facebook messages, no response. We send him tweets, no response. Jesus, so like back when you used to tweet at people, uh, where the fuck is Kevin? In the end, one of the boys sends him a Snapchat. Success. Kevin is in Alice Springs. Wait, Alice Springs. He didn't, did he? Seems he did. That dumb cunt went through Adelaide. So I hear you ask, what was Kevin doing in Alice Springs? Well, I went back to the point where Kevin wasn't the most carbonated beverage in the soft drink factory. He also knew nothing about cars. So in order to make this trip, having not owned a car, he purchased an absolute beater off Gumtree for $3,000. He grossly overpaid for an underperforming car, but as we know, Kevin, like his car, wasn't running on all cylinders. Now, our military will fly you to your posting and freight your car up. All of us, including our seco, thought this was what he'd done. No one. No one attempts the outback in a car that's got even dubious reliability. Except backpackers and Kevin. Kevin had blown a gearbox 50 kilometres south of Alice Springs. Thankfully, Kevin was able to get a tow into town by friendly locals. Keeping in mind is... that Keeping in mind Kevin is so white you'd think milk has a tan. Right. Um... So him not getting taken advantage of by the select few bad locals out there was itself very lucky. He went to Ford in Alice, and they told him a new gearbox was six weeks away. Now, our unit has been pretty chill. We kind of did this to Kevin. If you were late, we didn't mind if you didn't call in, as long as when you arrived, you had a reasonable reason. So here's Kevin, thinking, fuck it, I have a six-week holiday in Alice Springs, and they're going to understand when I arrive. But Kevin, why not call ahead as a courtesy? Well, Kevin didn't have their guardroom number. Well, why not call us? One of us? Any of us? Even one of the fellow privates? We could have passed the message up. But he's not part of our unit anymore, so why would he tell us? So a couple of phone calls later, and the new unit knows what's going on, and they dispatch one of the guys with a car trailer and a fuel card, with the blessing of being looked the other way on the fuel to go get Kevin. Since then, Kevin has been in Darwin for six years and I don't believe he has finished a posting at any single unit. I think the most he's done is 18 months and they duck-shove him to another unit within the brigade. Thing is, our military will continue to employ you until you get out or you fuck up so bad they can't hide it. Kevin is happy to stay and they don't trust him with anything important enough to make a catastrophic fuck-up. So our hope is one day he'll smoke a bong or befriend a bikey. It makes me wonder sometimes. Like, could this could this guy potentially be? Could this Kevin have been the same Kevin that missed the left turn? Like, could could they legitimately be the the same guy? Like, yeah, they. You, you never know. because um, I mean, it's very small military in Australia. Um, so do 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 do. Okay, this is the last story I have on this particular Kevin. So you've already read and loved the previous stories so I'm going to send you this last one about Kevin so Kevin got posted to Darwin and somehow got his license upgrade from medium rigid to heavy rigid not sure how guy couldn't drive a greasy stick up a dead dog's asshole one of the rules that we have is don't reverse without a guide anyway Kevin in his infinite wisdom decided to leave by himself for a job which happens normally not with stellar drivers such as Kevin but hey he'd earned it he ends up getting back from his task after 1600. Now, the good drivers don't sweat it and put the trucks away. The so-so drivers like Kevin are supposed to go and get someone from the guard room to help guide them in. This is literally in standing orders. It is for the good drivers, but they aren't here to fuck spiders. So it's a moot point. Anyway, Kevin then proceeds to reverse into the bay and misjudges his length, reversing into the cage at the back of his allocated bay, destroying it. Kevin thinks... I'm going to blame this on someone else. I'm going to put my truck in the bay up the other end of the hangar. What Kevin didn't realize is that the guard members heard him absolutely disintegrate the cage in the hangar and had wandered down to watch him and film. Kevin drives out, drives up the hangar, proceeds to line his truck up, right with the corner support of a hangar. At this point, when he hits it, an entire section of the hangar completely collapses, smashing the rear of the truck to bits. Kevin jumps out and starts to run down to the office in a panic. Between there and the duty NCO getting there, I'm not 100% sure on what he did as the duty diggers ran to get the duty NCO. However, the duty NCO found him lying underneath the change room bench crying. He was caught, he was issued a charge for negligence destruction of property, disobeying a lawful order, and had 14 days of mopping up the rain and restrictions of leave for 14 days. He was confined to base and they were served consecutively. He then promptly, at the end of the year, went across the road to another unit where my friend who gave me this story lost track of him. So, anyways, those are the stories that, uh, that I have so far. So, um, yeah, if you liked this, please let me know. If you, uh, if you have any further stories, please feel free to send them in. Um, and thank you very much for listening.